Welcome to episode 40 of Sports Banter with Mr. Peanut. And the polar bear, of course. Back at it again. That's right. And you know what? I got the setup going today. Yeah, there's basketball. Hoops on one, the uh, rundown on the other, you know. Some could say 40 episodes in, I've solidified my uh, style of play. I guess so. It you're only took 39. It, you're definitely to get running. Completely right. You're running the plays at this point. <laughs> As we do, we're going to lead off with football. <sighs> There's a lot to unpack, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. On your end. We have oh. not discussed any of our feelings thus far on last week, so this should be fresh and new to both of us. What happened last week? That's what we're going to get into. Okay. But let me start first with oh. my Bears, you know, State of the Union. State of the Union. Uh, look. <laughs> Recovered played, an onside kick. Played the Packers. Oh, I already turned it off by that point. Yeah. Oh, you did? That's right. That's right. I did. Uh, played the Packers. And so we're in Green Bay, and I'm literally just sitting there, beginning of the game, like, okay, how awful is this going to be? No, you know, no expectations. Just like, let's get this two and a half hours over with. <laughs> and hopefully Justin Fields played well. You hope two and a half hours. It right. could be longer. But, I mean, to my surprise, to come out in the first half and just make every play in the book, big play city. That's right. I mean, we controlled the entire first half, punt return touchdown. I'm going. Wow. But let me tell you this. There was not one inch of me that was like, this is going to last. I think, yeah, we were texting. I think I texted you like, oh, it was after that big play by. uh, Jakeem Grant. Yeah, that. Right across the fucking middle, which was a great play. Oh, Bird, actually. Well, I didn't even know who that was, but seven-yard touchdown. Yeah, I texted you. I was like, hey, that was, you know, good yeah, play by the Bears. Yeah, and it was a good Bears. play. I acknowledge it was a good play. I mean, but tight window for Justin to throw into, and it was good. I don't know. I don't think it was my immediate response, but I think it was something along the lines of, it's not going to last. The Packers will win this game by 20. Yes. And that was my mindset watching this game. Which is such a bizarre state of mind to be in. Like, your team's doing well, and you're like, it's so. I mean, just... Because that's what they want you to do. They want you to, oh my god, we're beating the Packers. Like, this is... Could we actually do this? And then they just smoke you to the ground. So I didn't allow that. You know what it was? It's... Preparation. Exactly. It's a sense <laughs> of security, knowing... Yeah. Ah. Right. Um, now we've got him. Now we've got the Bears fans' hopes. Yes. Let's throw him right back down to the ground. <laughs> Even with all of the things the Bears had done in the first half, uh, I think the telling sign of the doom is coming, like, doom. it's going to happen, was the end of the first half when Rodgers just flicks it, like, 50 yards to Devontae Adams, cuts once, touchdown. You know, like, very little defense. Well, what makes it worse, too, is the guy's playing, you know, Aaron Rodgers is playing on a bum pinky toe, so. <laughs> guys can't even beat that Ooh. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> no, we can't beat any form of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I, they said we've won, we beat him like three times, and I'm trying to remember the three times. I mean, I know one of them was when the Bears How long has he playoffs. been in the league? I mean, close to 20 years. Fuck. I, don't, I think he's 22 and 5 versus the Bears. So, anyway, second half. It was the second half. I mean, the Packers came out, scored immediately. Yeah. Then our first play is Kinda a strip sack, and I just go, here we go. <laughs> We've made zero adjustments, and we're just kind of happy that we had a nice half. App got absolutely dominated. Uh, look. Ah, the Bears. Whoa. I, yeah. 
I, uh, there's just nothing to this team. Sometimes you're just watching a bad team. Okay. And I think that's where I'm at mentally is it's just a bad team. Like, they're not going to surprise anybody with anything to me. Let me ask you this, and it's it's kind of kind of segueing out a little bit, but, you know, with how poorly the Steelers have been playing, and, you know, I know I'm totally pivoting here, but Justin Fields. My question is for Justin Fields, because you're a Bears fan. Ugh. What's What's your opinion of Justin Fields? Do you think it's the Bears, or do you think it's him himself? And to f- f- just follow up that with, could you see him, you know, because the Steelers are, Ben needs to retire or get fired. Do you, I mean, could you see Justin Fields doing well in, in a Pittsburgh? different franchise? Yeah. Um, two, kind of two questions there. I just. Well, number one, yes, it is the Bears because we haven't had a good quarterback in ever. So and now you don't know what to do with one. That's one part of it. <laughs> the other part is like, I don't know if. It's like he had a very good game that Monday night game versus Steelers. Yes. And I was like, I'm in on this guy. Yeah. Like, he put on the drive. Like, he's improved every week. Like, mm-hmm. I'm in. And then there's just, like, he, he played okay versus the Packers. It wasn't like he did, like, a lot of the stats, though, were, like, big plays. It wasn't, like, continuous mm-hmm. good plays. It was a gap. Like, yeah. oh, up, up, there you go. I think it's really early to, like, make a call on if he's going to be successful or unsuccessful on the Bears because this team's bad. Like, we don't... It is. And we've, we've talked about having a cohesive offensive line. That's the complete opposite of what the Bears have. That's right. They have a bunch of, like, journeymen on one offensive line who are trying to, you know, make their career stick there. And yeah. none of them are good enough to do that. Maybe the rookie from Oklahoma State, you got his first uh digs in there but i mean he played pretty bad which it's his first game in the pros i'm not gonna stick him for that no but my point is if you're the franchise quarterback and you're getting hit every play or damn near i mean that that's no environment for peyton manning to be a good quarterback no so the bears are far away or they i mean they're gonna have to revamp a lot of things in the coming like three years or whatever fields contract is right now to see if we can make something out of it. But I think he's extremely talented, but he, that's not the only intangible you need to be a successful quarterback. If yeah. everything stayed constant for his, like right now on the Bears and for the next four years, like he would be considered a bust because we don't have the, well, first of all, Matt Nagy, of course. Like, yeah, I was I'll bitch about that until he's gone. Yeah. Um, But the structure in place isn't intuitive for... A no. quarterback to be successful. It's similar to what's going on in Jacksonville. I mean, right. Trevor, <laughs> Trevor, I mean, there's a lot of shit that's going on down there. But, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, I'm not saying Justin Fields is Trevor Lawrence, but you're seeing two. Well, two rookies, yeah. Two rookies, two in great. systems. Two great college athletes yeah. in horrible, horrible systems. And, and I mean, uh, Zach Wilson on the Jets, too. Yeah, I, I just, you know what? <laughs> I think what is kind of this narrative that needs to be spoken about within the NFL is it's not at a lot of times it's not the players. Mm-hmm. It's organizations getting in this mindset of the coach is the coach is driving this, the coach is, you know, he's he's the one with the winning. He can do this mm-hmm. where he can put it all together. Yeah, where 
<clears throat> the players are the guys that get shit done. You're right. you, you're the driving force behind the players, and you know, I mean, um, it, it's just well, that's another part of what's disappointing about the Bears and why I'm at such a low as the fan as a fan. We don't have like next year isn't promising either because no. we don't have a draft pick because we traded it for Justin Fields, which I'm happy they made that move. Don't get me wrong, but in the immediate future, like we don't have a draft pick. We have all these older guys now that are still on these big contracts. Nick Foles is on his like post-Super Bowl contract, and we are responsible for that. And he doesn't even suit up most of the no. time. So we're in a bunch of these. And, you know, Khalil Mack's getting older. Akeem Hicks is getting older, which sucks because we traded for Mack and have had him for five years and had one playoff team out of that stretch. So it's yep. like we probably wasted Khalil Mack's, you know, maximum and, you know, he's getting hurt all the time now. So, like, unless they make serious cuts and trades and a bunch of things that the Bears' front office is not known for, then it's just a, it'll be another year of, like, okay, now we're bad, but next year we have a draft pick, and all these contracts are expiring, and now you're in that web of, like, disaster. And the bottom-tier teams are in that wave. Jacksonville is just one of those franchises that generally is the turnover is – pretty you know evident all the time yeah and there's, there's no yeah. real structure no so if you're going in as a you know trevor lawrence and then with urban meyers bullshit it's it's a tough place to play and i think culture is what you're you're trying to point to as, yeah and to that point i mean mac jones is the best rookie quarterback right now due to just wins and losses maybe not statistically but like because of the patriots have a you know foundation of how they're going to build somebody He's doing the best. They're the one seed in the, you know, AFC. Well, and I think a huge thing to to that, and what I was trying to like get at, and as we're talking about it more, is there's just this, it, it, there's this complacency in the hires uh, higher ups of the NFL. Like, mm-hmm. hey, like you said it. Like, hey, you know, we moved up to get Justin Fields with the Bears, and now we're kind of in this shithole of a situation right. where I. I like you as a fan, you don't see where the direction is. Where, <laughs> right. uh, you know, I I hate to say this, but I really like what John Lynch has done with the Forty Niners. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is yeah, I do too. Actually, he's taken risks. He's <clears throat> taken the time to really invest in guys and also make pivotal moves within the Forty ers to put them in the position that they are. I mean, I think they have a great coach too. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, but I mean to see what the Forty ers have done this year. You know, there's been a lot of question marks with them. And to have, um, you know, what's their defensive coordinator's name that just went to the Jets, um, Sala. Yeah. I mean, dude, you leave, you lose that kind of pivotal point in a team mm-hmm. and you're still performing fairly well. I mean, that just shows you that type of confidence in the front office, which teams are, they understand that. Where the Bears are in this sense of, well, we're doing it the same way we've been doing it. <laughs> right. We're still making money, and that's yeah, that's, that's a huge really me. that's a huge question that I have with a lot of and and it it broadens into other sports too. But for me, I I have this very big question in the NFL of a sense of at the end of the day, are you nickel and diming yourself, going how much money are we making, right. or are you putting yourself in a position to say, hey, we need to financially invest in our team to mm-hmm. make. Not even, and it's not just the team, front office, everything, mm-hmm. to 
further our path. I mean, look at what I was thinking about this uh, last night while watching the Rams. Yeah. What the Rams have Ooh, done. On track now. Yeah. yeah. What the Rams have done is they've totally blown everything out mm-hmm. and said, hey, we're investing right now, but we are, we under. We understand from a front off front office aspect, we understand that to make money, mm-hmm. you got to spend money mm-hmm. and 100%. that's how you do it. I mean, look at Sean McVay. Sean McVay has he's I think he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. He's very open to different opportunities within the game and to try new things out, but come on, Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff, that was a huge trade. Yeah. And right. To me, not really talked about either. Like, no, kind of, but didn't get the respect of that because tra- that, like you said, like look at the lines now, and there's a lot of intangibles there too, and different people. But just switching those two quarterbacks transformed the Rams into yeah. an absolute like playoff contending. They're like, eleven Super Bowl and three right now, or something. No, no, they're eight and three. Eight. They're nine and nine four. and four. There you go. But. And we what we talked about like two weeks ago is like the Rams are going through because they just traded for Von Miller, Odell Beckham, and they had lost two games in a row. And it was like kind of, I don't know, in the NFL atmosphere, it seemed like there's some panic there. Yeah. To me, it was like, I feel like they're just trying to get like their ducks in a row and yeah. like figure out how everybody can. Look at how well Odell maximize. played last night. Yeah. And I mean, look, and they're starting to like to go into Arizona, take down the Cardinals after they had beaten the Rams in LA earlier in the year. Um, and now the Rams are on track, and now it's that ideology of, oh, the Rams are you know going to be a tough matchup in the first round if they're a wild card, or are they going to take over the N- a- or NFC West? Yeah. Um, but going back to the original point is, like, the, there's a massive difference between how teams build themselves, and I tend to agree with uh, the Rams side of things, where you're if you have some young talent on your team and you've had some successful seasons, you know, they went to the Super Bowl like two years ago, um, and you have stuff to build around, like then you can start to make those trades where they don't have a draft pick next year, I think. Like that's been a big Yeah, they're thing. super low. But it's on like draft why picks. you don't even need a draft pick with that team. No. I mean you got like probably you know, I don't know, three or four years left with Stafford and he's having a tremendous year. You have all this talent around him, Odo Beckham, Cooper Cup um, you know, Henderson's a good running back. Michelle does enough. Um, well, and also, and now we start, as you start talking about that, you start thinking about the future for the Rams. I know we're kind of pivoting away from the Rams, right? But let's say you start, you know, you, you I think this year and net, I think, I think you got two years with Sean McVay. Like he needs to go back to a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl mm-hmm. with the Rams, with the team that he has. Yeah. But let's say they do get to an AFC championship and, you know, if they lose, they lose. Or if NFC. they, or sorry, did I say AFC? I did. Um, you know, me get on a roll. But let's say they get to an <laughs> NFC Championship and they win it, right? Or they lose right. it. Who's on your team that got you there? Right. Because now you have the weights in your hand, right? Like, hey, I have Odell. Look what he did to us. I mean, his. I think someone. I saw a tweet. I know I'm talking about kind of a couple of different things, but someone tweeted something where it wasn't Odell's fault in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't all of yeah, yeah, And it's true. It was a lot. And, I mean, that goes to the Baker Mayfield point, but but I'll digress. <laughs> but, but my thing with that being said is, is, yes, you don't have draft picks, but you have guys on your teams that can get you draft picks. Right. And right. whether that's, you that's know, a, a first rounder or a second rounder, but let's say you get to two NFC championships with your two guys, and let, 
let's say they don't win it. Mm-hmm. That second year, when that season's over, you start saying, hey, you know, we have Odell, we have Von Miller. Let's kind of lump these guys together. Let's see if we can maybe get, you know, a first-round draft pick out of it. And then you start – then you get a quarterback. Now right. you start developing that quarterback with Matthew Stafford, who, like I've said since the trade, you are now rejuvenating a depressed Matthew Stafford to mm-hmm. play well. Right. And, and, again, it just – I don't know. You you start thinking about the, the, the future moves of a team, and that's what really – you know, it kind of fascinates me, and a lot yeah, of people don't. I, think, I don't think a lot of people think about that right. either. And I think the point is like, there's a couple different ways to build a team. Yes. Right? And there's, I think, what gets teams like the Bears, Jets, Giants, Jaguars in trouble is like they are so focused on we need to build through the draft. We need to, you know, like there's just no culture there though. They're and, stuck in the now. Right. They're not. They're not progressing to the to future. Hit on this one guy, like okay, yes. Trevor Lawrence, can he be the next Peyton Manning? It's like, well, you gotta get guys around him too. Let's get some people in here that are good leaders. Like, there's so many different intangibles that go into a good football team. Look at Justin Burrow and that wide receiver that he played with at Alabama, or not? I'm sorry, Joe uh, Burrow. Yeah. Joe Burrow um, at LSU. They got the wide receiver from LSU. Right. It's like changed that whole team. Yeah, but that's and. Ugh, it just bothers me that some owners are so like focused on kind of like you said like the revenue and it, there's not so much the front office side and I think that's what differentiates the good teams from the bad like the Rams are so focused on who are the players that we can get that you know we can ooze out that the rest of their athletic ability like Avon Miller who's won it before so they know like they have a Super Bowl MVP coming in who still has talent who's going to be a good like locker room presence. And then Odell Beckham is, you know, a freak athlete that they need another big play threat. Let's throw him on the offense. So that's their mentality where, you know, like I said, it just goes back to, like, the quarterback thing of these bad teams. is like, let's throw this 22-year-old, 21-year-old kid in there, and let's hope for the best. When it's like, the O-line stinks, the scheme stinks, and it's like, well, no wonder he's no good because we yeah. don't have anything for him to benefit from. And then that goes back to now – in the media culture of the NFL, it's I'm just putting it on Justin Fields, but Justin Fields is a bust, right? And, it, and it's not that way, and it's it's so much deeper than that. Like Lawrence Wilson and Justin Fields are all like, average, below average seasons. But I mean, look who's on that team! Oh look, my god, I I couldn't name one O lineman on. I mean, I could name the Bears just because I'm yelling at them all game. But I mean, those guys. And then, you know, we're talking O-coordinator schemes. Like, does that fit their athletic ability? That's kind of why but that comes the back turnover to... of OCs and head coaches is so, like, rapid in the NFL. And that falls back onto, you know, general manager, ownership, yeah. everything. Like, are you setting up the team right now to be successful in the future? How how I don't know. I think, you know, I think we're kind of – broadening what we're talking about and getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like how I see it is the issue is, and it falls to the bears and what we're talking about is the issue that I see is the NFL is this big nucleus of which, I mean, the best point I could think of is Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. I mean, they've completely changed their whole offense to yeah. Lamar Jackson's skill set. Um, and, like, they did that as an organization, which I think tells you a lot about the Ravens. Like, they're about winning. 
They because are. Because they go, if we run, you know, a pro-style offense with Lamar Jackson, who hasn't ran that, like, that's going to be brand new to him. He's not used to that type no. of football. Let's take what he did at Louisville, where he scored, you know, 50 touchdowns and was this freak athlete. You know, who the hell wins the Heisman from Louisville? So let's take what made him successful at Louisville and, like, let's build that here. Yeah. And then they even have backup quarterbacks who are the same type of athlete. Yes. Not to that level. But it's like the next guy who comes in is going to run the same offense. Like, this is who we are. Yeah. And a lot of teams don't do that. I mean, if you look at last year, the the Ravens had the number one stat for the most pulling guards in the NFL. Yeah. And that just shows you, like, hey, we are a running team first. Pass with what we can do with Lamar Jackson will be a second attribute. But like you said, Mm. you're building your team around the current asset that you have to succeed rather than saying you're coming into our system and you better, you better, you know, conform to us. Right. It's like, understand your skill set of your team. Whereas Matt Nagy is like Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, you're going to run the same offense. I mean, could you have a completely different, could you have two, two guys who play quarterback that are completely different players like those two? And they're going to run the same offense? It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. I mean, play to these guys' strengths, and so many teams in the NFL do not. They have this old-school way of thinking of just that. Like, you're going to come in, you're going to play our system because we're the Browns or whatever. It's like, but how do you think that guy got to this point of being in the NFL? It's like he's played a certain way that's made him successful. And look, the, uh, you know, you coming into a system and saying like, "Hey, you're gonna play to our system." That's great. I'll I'll learn your team yeah. system, but you know, at the end of the day, you're stuck in this because of how fast the NFL moves. I think there's a sense of, and look, we're we're two guys in a room, right? We're not in the we're not in the office, you know, right. talkingly constantly talking about this. But for me, I think there's this sense of you do what you have done really well, and then you slowly trickle in new things because dude there's so many ways to run one play right you know but are you running it to a to contribute to your quarterback or just your team's attributes because if not you're going to see what's going on in in chicago with the bears i mean matt Nagy, dude i don't he doesn't know his ass from his forehead when it comes to (laughs) football he doesn't and he doesn't and to me i mean to me, if I think if Justin Fields was in the Ravens' <laughs> offense, yeah, I mean, they, they but would, that's that's an organization who's who who's they build players, you know. Yeah, yes, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. I think it just what we've gotten into is hey, there is the NFL is aged. Yeah. For some teams, will they will they make the pivot? They're not going to without a fucking fight or to ruin right. a great football player's career. And the guys that can get out, like a perfect example, Matthew Stafford got out and is now rejuvenating his season. Right. To me, to me, just based off of, you know, and let's say this is this is total like shot in the wind. Like, hey, you know, if if I were in the whatever voting for MVP of the year, to me, Matthew Stafford would have mm-hmm. a vote because of for what sure. he's done and and. Coach of the year, yes, Belichick is definitely, I think, coach of the yeah. year. But Sean McVay has to be in that conversation because of how well he's done with a quarterback that to some were like, he's old, he's aging, he's not going to do it. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. That, 
And what sticks out to me of those two teams is they understand their identity as a team. Yeah. And I think that's another key point of the good teams from the bad teams. If you understand what your strengths are as a team, if you understand what your strong points are as a team, like the Bears have, they've had a pretty good running attack though this year with David Montgomery, but they, they want to like, when they get like 30 yards and run, they're like, okay, let's like change to a passing attack now. It's like, if it's working, then be that team. Like yeah, understand I mean, what you're good at. And I think the bad teams have no idea what they are. And they're like trying to just, you know, throw darts at the board and try to hit a bullseye on a few plays. Where it's like, oh, wow, how'd that happen? Whereas the Rams are like, we're going to be a deep threat team, and we're going to throw it down the field, and guys are going to be open. Same with the Cardinals. Same with the Bucks. I mean, they have their identity set, and it's like, this is who we're going to be. And offensively and defensively, like, this is what it's going to be, and we're just going to see if our game plan is better than yours. Exactly. Not, are we going to mistakenly win And it game? opens up so many different windows for your – and we're talking about the offense a lot. Yeah. But it opens up so many windows for your offense. I mean, it, Leonard Fournette had, what, like four touchdowns two weeks ago? Yeah. Five touchdowns? It was great for my fantasy game, thank God. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, that shows, one, like you said, the Bucks' versatility on offense. I mean – Like, you don't know what they're doing – and you no, know, and it's scary. But you know, like they're gonna throw the ball forty times this game. Yeah. So it's like let's we gotta be prepared for that. Yeah. With the Bears, you're like I don't know if they're gonna rush the ball forty times or throw the ball fifty times. Of the Jets, Giants. I mean, look at the Bills. I mean, the Bills threw the ball. What was it like thirty and times the Bills in a row? Can't run the ball. No. So then everyone no. knows. Yeah. So everyone knows. <laughs> like, let's make Josh Allen beat us by himself. And he's I don't I think he's a a good quarterback, but he's not at that point of taking over the game like that. Which is why they're struggling. And he's going to kill himself doing that. Yeah. That's a huge Run thing. Running and, you know, trying to will his team to win just based off his athleticism. Like, that's a college way to win a game. Uh, when you can't run the ball, like, it, and those guys cannot run the ball. I mean, there is no push. There's no hole. I don't, I mean, though I don't think the running backs are special runners either. But there's just, like, it's just very blah. It's like two yards of carry. If that, and then they're kind of like, okay, forget it. And look, that's a team right in the middle of, you know, they have a playoff spot right now, but they've got to be thinking the same thing. They're, you know, like segueing into the Bills. I mean, they're, dude, they're so, there's so many question marks with that team on so many levels. Yeah. But my biggest thing that I've noticed, and you kind of pushed into it, was they, they rely a shit ton on Josh Allen, and you cannot mm-hmm. do that. I've said it our last podcast, our running game, and you said it. Their running game is bad. It's it's blah. It's like yeah. there's nothing there. Well, in that you know that you know fifty mile an hour win game they played with New England. I mean, New England said we're gonna run the ball the entire game, and the Bills, like, not to say that you're gonna be in that type of game, but you have to be able to run the ball. It's like there's two parts to offense, right. running it and throwing it. What more do you want? And I think Josh Allen was so successful last year of just kind of being an athlete and making plays happen. And they had a lot of just, you know, maybe defenses weren't ready for the Bills offense to look like that. And now they've caught on to whatever it is that they, you know, put together. But I mean, now they're forcing them to pass the ball. Well, yeah, and and they're... they're in those spots already. It's like, well, where's he going to go with the ball? And if they got a QB spy on them, 
he can only do so much. By you're himself. forcing the Bills' hands by saying, yeah. we understand that you're not going to run it, so yeah. we're just going to cover right. deep. We're going to cover and your receivers. And if you receivers. do, it's like we know it's no good. Yeah, so. we know there's only one person running the ball. It's you. Yeah. Your running backs aren't going to do it. Your offensive line is sure as shit not going to block for you. It, it just... it. So it, we're going to drop eight, and let's see if he can beat us with his brain. But that goes back... I mean, it, it kind of throws into all that we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. It shows... The Bills did not make the moves to right. build their running game. And mm-hmm. I've said this I said this last season and I said it this season. They don't have an offensive line or an, a running game identity. Mm-hmm. And it people So what so what do you think that is? Let me ask you. Like, if we're sitting here and I'm sure, you know, the Bills analytics guys are going before preseason, before training camp to the the front office like we don't have a running attack. So then when they don't make that decision to go out and get somebody, do you think it's these guys are going to get better or we're not going to spend the money to do it? This is where, if we're talking about this bill specifically, yeah, I think as, situation. as an organization, you look at how well the Bills did last year. So going into the 2021 season, you're not changing anything. Mm. Because, hey, we've done the best. Look at how well we did with the guys that we have. Are we really – I think our running game is okay. I think our passing game is exceptional with our wide receivers. And so that's that's how I immediately think about that was I think they're analytic guys, and I say that in quotations because I don't really think the NFL analytic guys are looking at the fine, minute details yeah. of football. I think they're looking at, okay, how can you get points and how can you cover points? Yeah. You know, like how's your defense going to be broken down and do you have running backs, stuff like that. So – I think with the Bills, and to answer your question, I like I said, I don't. I think they saw how well and how successful they did last year, and I don't know if they actually contributed that to saying, "Hey, are we worried here?" Like with our running game. I mean, I think what can make the Bills really good is a way better O line, or just maybe even better offensive line coach. Right. Right. I was gonna say maybe it's a scheme thing too. Exactly. I'm not, and that's the thing is. You have to look at it from both sides of the of the right. field, essentially. I can't blame just the players because if they're in a scheme that Doesn't they don't work, get yeah. or they're not even, like, aware of what they're really doing or maybe there's too much going on, that's, that's coaching. That's a scheme thing. So yeah. I think what they need to do is they need to get a better offensive line. They need a top-tier running back. Their running backs are – you got to get the pressure away from Josh. Yeah. And you do that by getting a, a good wide receiver. I mean, excuse me, a good running back. I think their I think their tight end is really good, Knox. Mm-hmm. Um I think I he's like a, Knox. I think he's a great tight end. I think he's a great attribute for Josh Allen to throw to. You have um Stefan Diggs at wide receiver. I think getting another wide receiver would do really well for them. You know who I would actually think would be really good on their offense is um Van Jefferson Jr. from oh, wow. the Rams. I think I think you add him with Stefan, that's two deep threats. And those guys are they're both real shifty. Mm-hmm. I think Van Jefferson has done an exceptional yeah, job with and the Rams. That's, that's just a shout out to the Rams of how well they looked on Monday night. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, I don't know. I think just to answer your question, I, I that's kind of the way I think they thought about it. Um but you know, and it goes back, right? Like what we've been talking about is this just this older thought mentality like their general manager could have said like yeah i think we're good you know Mm -hmm. an offensive line we did really well last year this is 
went back to our stats. Hey, look at our rushing, you know. Mm-hmm. But was that rushing by a quarterback or was that rushing as a general? So there's a lot of, I don't know, there's so many different ways you could go about that. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just, if I could really build that team, it would be Van Jefferson is your one and then Stefan is two. And then your tight end would be Knox. And then your running back would be, like I said, uh, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. I think, um, uh, not who's the who's the Browns running back? Not a uh, Chubb. Hunt. I think he would do really yeah, well. That would be a blockbuster. Yeah, I think that would be a really good. I don't know. I love that call. I think if the Bills were listening, they would. Healthy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you just get a number. You don't even have to get that good of another number two wide receiver. Just. Get some more attributes for your offense. I think their defense is doing really well. I mm-hmm. think they're trying to stay hard. I mean, like I said, I'm a bastardized Bills fan, but I know a lot about them mm-hmm. because, I don't know. It's going to be interesting for them. They, they, I think they're going to have some hiccups next season and this season. They're kind of fucked. Uh, just building a team, ownership. I mean, it applies really to my team right now because it's just... It applies to a lot of teams. Right. But there's just cycles in sports where your team is down for a minute and some take longer than others but like right now i'm in the lower tier like wondering and the easy answer is like you gotta fire the head coach and you gotta fire the general manager we just have to start over like there's enough waiting just gotta go do it but anyways (laughs) moving forward just a few well we'll just see where this goes but urban meyer is having quite the year in jacksonville um, super bizarre story, and I got just adds thing. to the shit. <laughs> yeah, you thought it was out of the woods when he had his little like at the bar with the, his little fling, right? And then John Gruden stuff came out, and he's like, "Oh, I'm scot free." And then he got a little confident. Yeah. And the next story comes out where basically he brought in his assistant coaches, and you know was telling them, "You got to prove to me who you are, like why you belong here." You guys are losers. I'm a winner. Um, so, I mean, just... I, I just don't think that's any way to treat people in life in any way. But especially when you're not the leader of an organization. So, what do you got? Are you shaking that his head at me? That is such bullshit. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like... Whew, let me take a breath. Okay. So, with the whole Urban Meyer thing, I heard this on the radio a couple of days ago and... I, I'm actually kind of happy I heard about it. I heard it because it's not my words, it's someone else's, but the this was what this was the comment on Urban Meyer is in college you can hide behind boosters in the NFL everything is open to the market. Yeah. And and what I'm what what I took from that was at college Urban Meyer got away with things. I'm not mm-hmm. saying I don't know anything. Like I'm just saying, in college, if you're a coach, your boosters and your school will protect you. In the NFL, you are on your own. Yeah. And just the whole thing that you said, like he brought his coaches in and essentially like berated them and said, you're losers. I mean, Urban, look in the mirror, bro. Mm -hmm. What have you done for the Jacksonville Jaguars that – Constitute yeah. that constitute you to say that to me. If I was on that coaching staff, I would quit. I would say, if let's say I was coaching the offensive line, and I had an if I had if my head coach came and told that to me, the first thing I did I would do is right after that meeting, I would have a meeting with my offensive line, 
And I would say, this is what was spoken to me about. Mm -hmm. You guys are great. You guys are great. You're going to do well. I'm out. Mm -hmm. Because if my, if the driver of the bus is now looking at me and saying, you guys are losers, Mm -hmm. I can't help you. And I don't want to help you. (laughs) And if that, if that has the potential of costing my career, I have, I've now stepped up in my career by knowing I don't ever want to do that and ever want to coach like that because whether that's true or not true, I don't know. I was not in that room. I don't know exactly what was said. I mean, there has to be some truth to that, but what gives Urban Meyer the right to say that to a team is fucking bullshit. It's bananas. Haven't thrown a bananas call out. Dude. Um, Imagine hearing that. I I can't because I'd start a fight. Yeah. It's just so egregious and Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer has been very successful in his college career. As yes, we talked about, which is it's just one style of football. Like like you said, when you're an NFL coach, it's completely different than being a college coach due to the media and you're you can't hide behind anything. No, so I think we're starting. No, we are seeing who Urban Meyer is. Yeah, and who players have had to deal with in the past of an egomaniac. It's about him. And I mean, that tells you a lot about a man when, first of all, you're the leader of the team, like I said, and it's, things aren't going your way. And, you know, luckily we haven't been on many of those teams, but we have been on some teams where shit isn't going well and you can definitely start to point fingers, but that's the one thing you can't do in sports. No. Uh, no matter what's going on. So the fact that things Talk about setting a nuke off mm-hmm. in your team. Yeah. So, and to do it with the coaches. That's what he doesn't right. understand. To do with the coaches, I mean, you just assigning blame somewhere else to cope with not being successful for, like, the first time in his career. And it just goes to show, like, that was the wrong hire for Jackson. Oh, my and God, it was yeah. All, it was all in his name. You know what I mean? It was a name hire based on college success. But the guy behind the wins and losses, behind all this shit, is not a guy that you want leading no. anything, really. No. I mean, and then all the bullshit that he's doing on the, off the field, where he almost got fired for that, and then to have the balls to come back and do this to his coaching staff, who, you know, I don't know who's on his staff, but I'm sure they've all been around the block of the coaching carousel and have their own resume and whatever. It's not one guy's fault that... Your team it's stinks. the team's fault. It's your culture that you've created within this team that is the reason that you're unsuccessful. And if you can't take ownership for that, then you, your ass has got to go. Yeah. You can't just assign blame elsewhere because Absolutely you can't not. do your job as you were supposed to, as you were hired to do. You knew Jacksonville wasn't good when you came here. They won one game last year. So the fact that you're coming in after, and you know, they're 2-10 or whatever the hell they are, and you're pinning it on the guys that you want to fight for you. I mean, as a football player, I mean, that team is going to play for each other. But there's no... Now it's a separation of powers between yeah. coaching staff and ownership just by, you know, a guilt of association and players. And that is a massive problem. You're already 2-10. and 10. I'll, And last week, they didn't score a point. Urban Meyer looked checked out. I mean... Those are the results you get when you do some bullshit like that. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier with the whole NFL. It is stuck in this, 
hey, you know this guy, he did well in college, let's move him up. It's not, let's take a new guy and bring him in. I mean, who's to say, and I don't know who interviewed for the Jacksonville head coaching job, but who's to say that Joe Schmo, the guy that was right next in line on the interview, Mm -hmm. and you blew that guy off just to have Urban Meyer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it couldn't have gone worse. And it's so Jaguars. And you know what it is? It is a big fuck you to the whole Jaguars. Their whole organization is just, to the NFL, is fuck this. Yeah. Like, you guys have totally ruined whatever type of... And look, Jacksonville hasn't been that good in a while. Right. But you have totally ruined any type of credibility you have. And as... I mean, who do you go to now? Who wants to work for that organization? That's well, a yeah. that's a huge thing. I mean, look, there are guys out there that want to work in the NFL, and they'll take any job. Which, sure, the coaching staff on the Jacksonville right now could very well be that. Is yeah. I just need I want to be in the NFL, and now I'm being told I'm a loser. I mean, come on, yeah, man. it's. I mean, it goes beyond wins and losses. It's it just infuriates like that's, me. It's like that's the type of person you are. Is when shit goes wrong, like I'm coming after you. Yeah, and that says a lot about somebody. And so I think his days are numbered. And they also, should be numbered. Yeah, and also, just to that point, is the owner of Jacksonville Jaguars is that, uh, I mean, he's a huge, he's a super rich dude. Yeah, at, But course. he is a huge sports fan, and he's a huge, like, he loves, if you're, if you own a, if you own a team, you love the team. Right. You love the sport. If Urban Meyer was my hire and I pushed for that, I'm looking in the mirror going, I fucked this whole organization yeah. up right now. And I need to make it right. And Urban Meyer, to me, needs to should have been fired when he had his whole fling in the bar. He should have been dumped right. It's the Raiders. <laughs> who's having enough... I mean, talk about culture. I mean, their culture got blown up. Yeah, well, they've had a tough year for reasons outside of the oh, actual yeah. team. Right? I agree. I agree. Um, but anyways, like the playoff picture is going to be shaping, and each week we'll have a little bit better feel of who who's who in the oh, NFL. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But diving into the, the culture and building the team, love that. And I think we hit on a lot of different points that maybe the casual fan doesn't think about or um, fixate on, perhaps as much as we do. Oh. But that's why we're here, man. That's right. That's why we're posting. Um, and, you know, Urban Meyer's a weirdo. Carl's way out on Urban Meyer. He, if you met Urban Meyer, what would you say to him? Do you want to know what I would yeah, say? I would love to. I'll tell you exactly what I told to Mike McCarthy. I, I said this to him. Mike McCarthy was at this super quick story. Mark, oh, this is great. Mike McCarthy, ex-coach of the Chargers. Um, Mike McCoy. McCoy. That's okay. McCoy. Sorry. You did. You did. Mike McCoy. He was in a restaurant. And I walked up to him <laughs> okay. and I said, how old, hey. you? how old were you? Oh, I was like in high school. Okay. Yeah. I said, hey. You're Mike McCoy, right? And he goes, yeah. I go, you really fucked the Chargers. <laughs> and he goes... You said that. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, oh, well, that's your opinion. I go, no, we're <laughs> fucked. And then I left. Look, I've, I look. I was taught to always respect people, but when it comes to sports... Right. Well, and, what, what was that post, like, we missed the playoffs or they're going to L.A. or what? This was... Post playoff, yeah. This was this was. Oh. You really fucked us. Yeah, 
Yeah, man, I was pissed. Oh, that's amazing. And you know what I would say to Urban Meyer yeah. if I met Urban Meyer? You're fucked. And I would, I'd be so pissed. I, I would, I would lay into him as a fan. You have shown me how much of a horrible person you are, and what type of culture you've created. That I'm not a fan of you, and I may be one person of <laughs> a thousand, a million other people that like you. But you know what? What you did to your guys, to your Agreed. team, is fucked. Yeah. And I would leave it at that. Yeah. Like, come on. So now I'm on the manhunt for Urban Meyer. I'm gonna stop him at oh, Sprouts or yeah. uh, Sport Clips, and I'm gonna oh, be yeah, like, man. I'm you're gonna stay right here, and I'm gonna call my friend. And he's gonna come over and give you a piece of his mind. Yeah, man. I, you look, got it, buddy. <laughs> look, players are people, coaches are people too. But you know what, Mike Mc. Mike, Mike McCoy, McCoy fucked us. <laughs> that's an amazing tale. Oh, yeah. Um, and next week, God willing, we will have a special guest, Coach John Montali, one of the greatest defensive minds, in my opinion, in all of... How about all of sports? I think he's the best defensive coordinator in the world. But so. he is the defensive coordinator for Cathedral Catholic which we both attended. He was my position coach. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but it's going to be electric. And the Cathedral just defeated Folsom for our fourth state championship. Third? Third state championship. Third state championship. Our fourth appearance. Appearance, right. yep. And right. which was really cool because Folsom, we lost to Folsom in 2017. Right. So it was definitely a little payback. A little there, revenge game there. So he's got to be feeling good. And we're going to dive into a lot of different things. But um, that's about it for episode 40, Polar Bear. You got anything for the people? Yeah, just uh, get into our Instagram page, our social media as well. We have uh, underscore sports banter. We also have our link tree on there as well that jumps to our blog and all of our streaming services for our podcast to where you can hear us banter about everything we love about sports, like Mr. Peanut said we were very heavy on the NFL this week, but we absolutely well, love it. Passionate. NFL That's right. Talk. Passionate, baby. Passionate. But yeah, I mean, keep interacting with our page. Continue to give us what, you know, any suggestions you guys have because we love it and I don't see us stopping anytime soon. So maybe never. That's right. This could be, we could be in the episode <laughs> 80, 2 million. 85 years old. The Bears are 2 and 10. <laughs> and I'm still a bitch. <laughs> but for episode 40. Sports Banter, out. out.